0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. Liz Loza is off today. I think she's getting her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know, the usual business. I mean, that's what it's like in the life of a superstar. But I'm Matt Harmon driving the ship today. And my co-pilot is none other than Dalton Del Don. Dalton... How are you doing on what has been a historic day on Twitter with Stephen A. Smith's wonderful gaffe uh, previewing the Chargers-Chiefs game that will have
0: happened by the time most of you listen to this? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I see the Chargers also tweeted out that LaDainian Tomlinson and Dan Fouts (laughs) have been officially ruled out as well. So just amazing. But hopefully I don't make a Stephen A. Smith-type gaffe in this uh, podcast. But nice talking to you, Matt. It's been a while since we've potted together. So I hope your fantasy season's gone well and... We'll try to come up with some uh, some strategy here for the all-important Week 15.
1: Yeah, no doubt. There are a lot of really intriguing matchups. Uh, yeah, hopefully we get all the players right. And if you don't, of course, you can uh, you can talk to us on Twitter about it. And if you don't know what we're talking about, like, I don't know what to tell you, then you're really not paying attention to the sports world. But maybe you'll also just have a life, which is also a, a, a good quality to have. But yeah, let's jump right into some coffee talk, Dalton. Coffee talk. All right. So first up is James Conner. He did not practice on Wednesday. He's still questionable for the Steelers game on Sunday. They play the late afternoon game at home against the Patriots. You know, we see these guys play each other all the time. We know how these games go. Uh, Dalton, if you have James Conner right now and he's still questionable heading into Sunday, we we, we just let's hypothetically say we don't get any clarity on the situation. What's your plan of attack?
0: What are you going to do with this? I'm treating Connor as if he's just not playing. Um, I'm actually a Le'Veon Bell owner. I should say was a Le'Veon Bell owner because those teams are not currently in the playoffs. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean Connor it could be a high ankle sprain. I don't know. I'm just kind of treating this as he's not playing. And I ranked Jalen Samuels as my RB ten this week at sixteen dollars. He's certainly a target in our DFS game. I just feel like they're going to dump it off to him a ton if he does play. But I don't know. Maybe um, I, it does, it's definitely frustrating that it's the afternoon games. But maybe I'm being pessimistic here. Do you have a different outlook on, on Connor?
1: No, I don't think he plays either. Would That would be my guess as we stand here, you know, Thursday morning. Um, I... yeah, again, I don't think he's going to play. I think this backfield will still be split. You know, Steven Ridley had about 25% of the carries last week. They both split red zone opportunities two to two. Um, So, you know, this isn't a surefire like Jalen Samuels is going to be a feature back because you know oh by the way like he was not a feature back in college he was a guy that played a lot of different positions moved around the formation I mean I, I think he's still the favorite to lead the team in touches Um, even though it is a hashtag revenge game for Steven Ridley we should note Uh, and of course after right, the, yeah, after the Brandon Bolden fiasco of last week like who is yeah. <laughs> who is bold enough to, to doubt the power of revenge but yeah I, I think I'm with you on Samuel that he's a guy that you can certainly play even if you're not expecting a major ceiling and I definitely do not think that connor uh plays in this game so you better have a a backup in case and it's worth noting that there are two saturday games uh this this week which is a nice little treat for the nfl to throw us so uh be paying attention to that
0: do you think tenth is too aggressive for Samuels? If he say obviously Connor's Connor has to be uh, inactive, but do you think an RB one? I mean, I, I hear you in the split, and I, I love the Ridley, and he'll probably be the goal line guy. I Love the revenge factor that you noted, but I just feel like this game is going to be a, a ton of dump offs to Samuels. Oh, yeah. you know, a really high scoring game, both real fast paced team. You know, like the Patriots are number one, uh, situation neutral, and, and Steelers also top ten. So that's what I, what I kind of see for Samuels. I'm getting questions on Twitter. People like, am I really going to start him over A and week, you know, over player B and week 15? And I'm like. Like, yeah, I mean, I think if he's in that situation, um, given the reception, especially in PPR, I mean, do you think that's too aggressive to treat Samuels as an RB1?
1: I think it's a little aggressive, but I, I see. Totally, where you're coming from, you know, it's a 52 point total. Uh, these teams are pretty evenly matched right now. You know, the Steelers desperately got to get a win here. The, you know, they're in danger of losing their division. They're in danger of losing a playoff spot altogether. Uh, so this is this should be a really high scoring game, back and forth. You know, we'll talk about some other players later on that I really like from this contest as well. And I think that one of the biggest questions is. How are the Patriots going to defend the two wide receivers? You know, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, the the streets are talking, Dalton, about uh, Antonio Mm -hmm. Brown's numbers versus Juju. Like, there are people out there making that comparison. Like, are they going to use Stephon Gilmore to shadow Juju Smith-Schuster and then double up on Antonio Brown? We've seen them do different things as these teams have played. And then that leads you back to Samuels. Is he a guy that maybe does get six targets, six catches, something like that?
0: I want to put Juju over Antonio Brown in my rankings this week. I have not had the guts to do it. If you give me the go-ahead, I'll do it right now on this podcast. What do you think? I mean, I'm I'm almost leaning that way with Gilmore really. I mean, it is the better matchup for Juju, who might be the better receiver right now. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly having the better
1: statistical season. Of course, it's worth noting that, you know, the hybrid big slot receiver, although we've seen Juju be outside a little bit more lately, but the the, the positions yes, that they're yes. playing, you know, it's it's. It's totally different to compare them, uh, you know, statistically. But, I mean, there's no doubt in terms of the context of what they're doing, Juju's having the better season. I think theoretically he probably would have the better matchup. I'm with you on both sides of the ball that I think that this game is going to be about short passing for New England and conversely on the Pittsburgh side as well. Look, I'm not I'm not going to fault you at all if you rank Juju higher than Antonio Brown this week. I mean, look, last time that the, the streets were chirping about AB's lack of performance, we saw him go out and get 10 catches uh, on Sunday Night Football against yep. the Chargers. So those games are always in the cards. There's no doubt about it. But I wouldn't blame you at all if you ranked him higher.
0: All right, we'll see. I'll I'll put that one on the back burner for now. I'll think about it. You definitely didn't convince me overly, though. But I do think that's definitely a question now, and especially in this matchup, because it's definitely a harder one with Gilmore on the other side for Brown.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't convince you because I I love AB, man, and I will continue to stand for the Uh guy for for a few more years now. But moving away from that matchup, there's a lot of questions to ask, but one one guy that got some answers in terms of his job description uh is John D Filippo who was fired in Minnesota after they get shut out in one of just the ugliest offensive performances of the season uh in Seattle you know uh, aside from a garbage time touchdown they don't they don't get anything done offensively uh the Minnesota Vikings so they let John D Filippo go who you know f- rewind eight months ago he was like an exciting head coach candidate he still might get some interviews this year but let's kind of do a post-mortem on the viking season what do you think went wrong you know in terms of what what happened on offense for them
0: yeah you look at their roster arguably the best in the nfc then they added cousins at quarterback in the offseason was hard not to predict them to go deep into the postseason and now here we sit week 15 and the vikings haven't beaten a team with a winning with a winning record all season I mean Cousins is probably the easiest point of blame here. Seven point one YPA. Today's environment, what's the league average? Seven point five? And with those two elite wide receivers to throw to, we could blame some injuries in the backfield and offensive line, but I think Cousins has just really hurt the, the fantasy fantasy uh, no, players aren't aren't too too hurt here as right. far as the receivers though. And I will I will say I got the diggs versus Thielen debate wrong. I went on record saying Diggs and, and Thielen obviously having a historically great, great season. So those fantasy owners aren't complaining there. And obviously the Dalvin Cook injury, nothing you could do about that really.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Diggs digs versus Thielen thing, it's kind of started to even out a little bit more as the season went on. Obviously Thielen really started heavily. I was with you though, you know, 100% Diggs over Thielen. And I think he's a better player, but that's a different discussion. But I mean, looking back on this season to me, can I give you this argument? And you can tell me whether you buy into this or not, whether you're buying or selling. I think this, roster is just way too top-heavy on offense. They Beyond Diggs and Thielen, who, as you mentioned, are elite players, who else are you scared of on this team? I mean, Kyle Rudolph's averaging under 10 yards a catch. Their offensive line is a total train wreck. Uh, and you know, Dalvin cook has been, he's a threat in the past game. He's a threat as a runner. They haven't really been able to establish a run game. And he's also obviously been hurt for most of the year. So I think that's been the biggest issue. I think they were just kind of a touch overrated on offense to begin with.
0: Um, those are all fair points. I don't know. Maybe not a big Lord Aldrich fan. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Laquan Treadwell obviously didn't develop. So those are, Hey, those are, those are definitely, um, all fair points, but it is, and I don't know about about the coaching, but uh, it has definitely just been been a disaster for Minnesota there, and um, I don't know where they move forward here. Where I don't know where do you treat uh, where, where's Kirk Cousins going to be in your you know fantasy QBs next year? I don't think he'll be a guy that you're
1: looking at as a clear cut starter. Um, I think he will be a QB two option for sure. Uh, the thing with Cousins is, as frustrating as he has been of late. For for Vikings fans, it's also pretty disingenuous to say he's been bad all season. You know, he was very, very good under pressure earlier in the year, and now he's completely fallen off, which is typically how those statistics go. They can be very volatile year to year, week over week. And Cousins is kind of that guy, too. So he has spike week potential. He also has potential to just totally tank a team. And, you know, you can you can complain about the contract all you want uh and i get it people love to complain about money that's not theirs for whatever reason uh but this is what you do like a guy i would if the i think if the vikings had the chance they would make the same decision 10 times out of 10 because they needed to start in quarterback it's not like case keenan would have brought them to the promised land again so it is what it is i think we see co- cousins be exactly that you know a volatile year week to week guy next next season
0: and you and you do bring up a good point about the offensive line. I said their roster was great. You know they were nearly made the Super Bowl last year, but that was a glaring issue yes. even entering the season. It wasn't like injuries or something. I mean that was a, pro- a problem, and it turned out to be a major one.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, now the, this coming week though, with Filippo out and the, one of the guys that they expect, i off the top of my head, hes I'm spacing on his name, but he was a guy who a lot of people expected to uh, their current offensive coordinator be promoted and then I think there was just like Filippo Zimmer, really never on the same page. I wonder how much influence Zimmer even had on the hire. Like it almost seems a little fishy or sketchy that they're just going to bounce him here late in the season, not let him ride it out as he's potentially going to get some head coach interviews Views. But I think we see the Vikings this week really come out and try to establish that run game once again in Miami or against Miami in Minnesota. And I think Cook is in play for a really nice line in this spot.
0: Yeah, and I think Zimmer just delegates everything to his offensive coordinators. Like He does no say in the play calling whatsoever. So um, I, I'm with you. That's that's what the, the setup looks like here this week is, is definitely fire up. Cook, I have him ranked right around the, uh, RB1 this week. Love the setup at home against Miami. He really struggles against the run.
1: The new offensive coordinator, by the way, is Kevin Stefanski. Thank you. If you want some inside info on the whole Viking situation, might I recommend the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, oh. where refined podcasts can be found. You're at your app of choice. <laughs> thank, thank you, producer Brett. I really appreciate the, the note on, on on the current offensive coordinator. So yeah, it's fascinating for sure. Jumping to something else that's, uh, not as fun to talk about, uh, Carson Wentz, not expected to play this weekend. And honestly, I think it's probably in the Eagles' best interest is to shut him down for the rest of the season. You know, he's got a broken vertebrae in his back. I mean, backs are tough, man, because nobody used to have a bad back. Once you have a bad back, you've got a bad back. Uh, So, of course, we know that Nick Foles had a charming little run to end the 2017 season that uh, they ended up hoisting a Lombardi trophy. But what do you think happens this year, Dalton, with Nick Foles at the helm?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, it's tough. This injury, it sucks. I wanted to load up on these guys in DFS on the Sunday night game, and I thought it'd be a nice little, little shootout here. You know, Golden Tate, Zach Ertz, and, and Foles. I just, it's hard to have a lot of confidence in him, even after the the late, obviously, the postseason run. Last year, I think it's a downgrade. Carson Wentz, for all his faults, this year he's getting 7.7 YPA, coming off an injury, the 21 touchdown passes. So, yeah, I downgraded all of them, and I think it is an issue, and I could see the Rams coming off just really back-to-back horrible performances back home and this one getting ugly in a dominant performance. Um, I don't know. Do you have any more confidence than I do in, in, in Nick Foles? No, I don't. And, you know, downgrading these skill position guys, I mean, other than Ertz
1: and Adams to a degree, although last week was really tough... Who are we really counting on in this Eagles offense? You know, Tate, his usage has uh, yeah. been all over the place. Jeffrey has been pretty uninspiring for most yeah. of, of the last couple of months.
0: I was going to say Jeffrey would have to take to lead, but Tate, I kind of like to sleeper just because the Rams haven't been getting beat in, in the slot. But yeah, he hasn't really been doing much even when he was targeted early on in Philly.
1: Yeah, that's totally fair. I think of all these guys, the one player I do kind of like is Adams because the Rams, speaking of where they've been getting torn up, is on the run game. You know, they give up Jordan Howard's first 100-yard game of the season. Tariq Cohen has 69 yards on Sunday Night Football. They've And they've been a weak run defense all season, and even dating back to last year, Wade Phillips is definitely builds his defense to stop the passing attack, which makes sense here in the year 2018, and kind of concedes the run game. So I think we see Adams... Definitely approached more towards the 20 carry mark than we saw him at yeah. seven last week. So he's a guy that if you have him been season long leagues, I think you can roll him out there as a pure ceiling play, realizing that if this game does get ugly, as you mentioned, you're probably going to be in a spot of trouble.
0: Yeah, use them this week and then next week. Unfortunately, they get what the Texans have, like this one of the top best run defenses, according to DVOA and and according to real life too. So that's not the greatest matchup. But I just think it's 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 unfortunate as a football fan. I wanted to see Wentz there Sunday night, and and that more of a shootout. You know, the spread jump from what nine and a half to eleven, which yeah. seems about right. I could just see the Rams in a get right game going going nuts in a in a blowout there.
1: I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I think Wentz by and large played pretty well coming off his torn ACL. So again, I hope they just. Shut him down for the rest of the year. We see him again in 2019. But let's jump into those Rams that you just mentioned, because while we have trusted that offense, you know, without a doubt for most of this season and their fellow NFC contenders, the New Orleans Saints, both teams looked you know, unimpressive Sunday, especially on the Rams case. The Saints kind of picked it up in the second half. But let's kind of break down those, those guys real quick. You know, the Rams remaining games, they've got Philly this week in L.A. Then they're at Arizona, both pretty good matchups for fantasy. The Saints, they have at Carolina. Then they go to Pittsburgh. I think both of those games could easily be shootouts. So if you've got Gurley, Camara, Breeze, Thomas, I know you're starting them, but are you worried about these guys going forward have you kind of lowered their ceiling projections uh, as the as the season
0: winds down yeah, again, golf was just so bad those last couple of games. funny to listen to him talk about how it's tougher to throw a football outdoors and in not perfect conditions, uh, you know, no born kid. in California yeah. and then went to Cal Bears, you know, in college and stuff. But um, but he is back home now in those good conditions. So, I, again, I, I ranked him aggressively. Only one small concern is that the Eagles won't put up as many points on the board. So, But um, I, I think this is, again, just a get-right game. Fire up Gurley, obviously, he's going to probably go crazy. And, and I do still like Josh Reynolds. I know he's disappointed with Cup out, but I still like Reynolds. The Rams, I think the Rams are going to be fine. The Saints, I'm curious about this game in particular on Monday night. We used, um per- my my partner and I used the Panthers plus five and a half in the Super Contest. But uh, Matt, I know you're you're a Panthers fan, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Cam Newton's shoulder toast, man? I mean, that's obviously the obvious concern in that game. And I'll, I'll get to the Saints side. But first, I'm curious your opinion there. Yeah, I mean... Yeah,
1: you say fan. It's what I like to call a complicated relationship. And the last five weeks have proven why, in fact, that is a very complicated relationship. Just as I'm willing to try to open up my heart to them again, they slash it out. Uh, And yeah, I think it's a big concern with Cam Newton's shoulder. I mean, the team can kind of try to, you know, yada yada it all you want. But I think if they lose this week, then they do start to think about shutting him down because I mean, it'll be toast for Ron Rivera. I think if he loses eight games here or six games in a row, and then is in danger of losing the last two. I mean, if he loses out, I think that's it for Rivera. I think it might be it for Rivera anyways, because David Tepper, you know, is a hedge fund guy. He's very into analytics, making decisions based on provable data that's stable. And, you know, this is one of the most old school franchises in the NFL. So I think we might see Herney Rivera, all those guys get cleaned out this year. And it's a big question with Cam Newton's shoulder. I don't think it's toast. I think he has started to evolve his game beyond just being a big vertical thrower and threatening the sideline. And they've obviously got him good players within the infrastructure of the offense, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, who can make plays over the middle of the field with space. So, but it's definitely an issue. And I don't want to, I don't want to under talk it. I mean, they're definitely risking a lot by having him out there behind a defunct offensive line as well. So I don't think you can just talk over it, but to say toast, I think it might be just a touch too far. But what the hell do I know? I, I'm not a doctor,
0: right? Yeah, I know that he has not been attempting it downfield as much, but I treated him as he's he's going to bounce back in this matchup here. I think I have him as my QB six. I love I ranked uh, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore aggressively. Those guys have looked fantastic. What home runs the Panthers have hit with their skill position players of McCaffrey and those two wide But this team is five and one at home. I think they bounce back, cover the spread there. And mm. I'll turn this back to the Saints. What I'm saying is I, I, in the, uh, I think the Panthers put up points. It's a 52 over under, I believe, which will require the Saints to maybe play a little bit more passing than they have been. I know Breeze is a home road splits, but he goes from, you know, inner circle, Hall of Famer, best ever to still really, really good on the road. And Traquan Smith's been the guy who's been burning me in the rankings, just killing me. I, I've had him aggressive and people have even been asking me on Twitter. I'm like, I get that it's boom or bust. But here's why I have him, and it's been mostly busts with him. So um, give me your opinion on him. I've had to kind of calm down with him because the targets just haven't been there. But uh, I love the idea of him taking over the wide wide receiver two spot there. And um, that one week when he had the 13 targets, 10 catches, running the whole entire route tree, and then it's just been nothing since.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's as risky and as thin of a play uh, as you could possibly have. Now, of course, if you're playing like a large field GPP tournament like our yahoo dfs tournament that's a million dollars this this week i mean that's certainly something that you can think about because you're going to stand out with that type of play and there's verifiable reason to want to do it and that's just how much the panthers have getting been getting smoked by wide receivers over the last four weeks they've allowed the third most yards tied for the third most touchdowns i mean this is a team that has real issues back there although on that note one thing to consider is that this team has especially been getting wrecked by slot receivers. Um, Jarvis Landry really kind of got, I mean, he had 100 yards a week before, but had his most explosive game by far last week uh, as an interior player against Carolina. So, my question is obviously, I think Traquan's more of a perimeter guy. Do we see Michael Thomas line up inside a lot this game? That's something we've seen the Saints do. They'll line him up inside and Drew Brees will go to him. I, I think he could approach the, you know, 10-11 catch mark uh, in this one. Or if they use somebody like Austin Carr or Keith Kirkwood, uh, those are the, you know, there's all kinds of
0: sleepers you can really look at because I agree with you. This is going to be a high-scoring, offensive-heavy game. Yeah, well, Keith Kirk- Kirkwood is a guy I ranked as a, as a sleeper here. But uh, I'm with you with Thomas here. I put him as my number one wide receiver of the week and lowered guys like Antonio Brown, um, Julio Jones, who have much tougher matchups. So I'm with you. I think Thomas could be the receiver to, to own week. But that's a Monday night game. So as far as DFS, too bad to, that that uh, doesn't yeah, yeah. shootout. But overall, I will say in general, yeah, it, it, it just shouldn't be as a su- huge surprise that the Rams and Saints did not continue their historic pace throughout the season. Some, some bumps like this are going to happen. Some defenses are going to adjust. But I expect them to some readjustment and some huge games from both offenses down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and I like your call about Josh Reynolds, too, you know, who, who you can use on Sunday. Uh, the Eagles have allowed 823 yards to wide receivers the last four weeks, which, of course, is the most in the NFL. And, you know, like, Dalton, we're, we're at a point where, like, you and I might have to suit up for the Eagles at cornerbacks, given all the uh, injuries that they've had at that position. But let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's move on to our at-me segment. Don't at-me, bro. Where we ask you people out there a question. Uh, and you will give us an answer this week. We wanted to know what advantageous fantasy matchup are you looking forward to the most this weekend? That we think is gonna, that you think is gonna help you continue that fantasy championship chase. We got a lot of interesting answers, but one that really st- stood out to me. Uh, the first one we'll talk about here came in from at dgl's seventeen. I, I hate like I hate a- a- like Twitter handles. That's man. why I put them in there for you. I know, dude. It's so bad. It's I'm really bad at it. Anyways. So they truly add us with a spicy take here. Uh, he says, you know, that's, a, that's the jinx. Look at how many advantageous matchups flopped in week one of the playoffs. Dalton, there's been a lot of talk this year amongst us fantasy goofballs. You know, does defense really matter? Do we overrate matchups? We're just, just real quick while we, while we have this here. Where do you stand on on that whole idea of uh, it, it does defense matter? Are matchups overrated?
0: I I get the idea in a macro level, and I totally understand the concept and why the numbers may point that way, but I've been pretty aggressive as far as my rankings when it comes to matchups, and especially Hmm. like cornerbacks in my wide receiver rankings, and um, it's done all right for this year, whatever the sample is. The rankings have gone okay that way, so I'll probably continue to, specifically the wide receivers. But I don't have a definitive answer and I'm, I'm really open to hearing smarter people than me uh, on this very question because I'm really curious about it.
1: Yeah, I mean Dalton is a very good weekly ranker. Like it's something that I suck at, which is one of the few reasons why I don't <laughs> do rankings here. But yeah, you're very good at that. You're very good at parsing through things. And I think you make a great point that – To me, it's about the polar extremes, you know, the teams that are very, very good at limiting a certain position, the teams that are up at the top five in terms of allowing production to team, to teams. Like that doesn't just happen. You know, there there are reasons in terms of the game of football, how it's played, you know, cornerbacks that are are weaker than others. Like again, the Eagles right now, perfect example. They're allowing all this production to wide receivers not by some coincidence, it's because they have a ton of injuries at the position. Are we great at forecasting that with perfect accuracy on a week-to-week basis? No. But you can certainly use that information uh, to your advantage, along with adjusting for pace, for overall volume, and everything like that. So I think this is something to consider. So I agree, there's certainly a lot of times when and it can happen in mass sample where a bunch of randos last week score a touchdown but I, I still think paying attention to matchups at the polar extremes is important here in your fantasy playoffs. But let's move and on. And you
0: can also, then then you can also pay up on DFS for Odell Beckham, you know, and recommend him and then have him go out against the aforementioned Eagles secondary and have them not even attempt to pass downfield. So yeah. some of this stuff isn't even, you know, it's tough to predict at all, but th- those are great points, Matt.
1: Yeah, it's tough to predict, but that's, oh, that's why we love it so much. Like trying to figure out this little Rubik's Cube is a real treat on a daily basis. Um, Moving on to the next one, at Saul, Saul bad. Oh my God. This is the, this is Dude, the toughest one. Brett. I can't believe you hung me out to dry with all these. <laughs> Just call me Sal. <laughs> yeah, Sal. Sal. Anyways, he says Dak versus Indy. I, I like this call because I think this game could be sneaky high scoring. Forty seven and a half and a half point total on this game right now. Indianapolis, I think, you know, Dallas is a good defense, but I think they will still put up points. Luck is still playing pretty well. Where do you stand on this game and, and Dak as a sleeper play?
0: Yeah, I've got Dak as my QB 12 this week. So he's a QB one. He has big home road splits. But then again, he also has big splits with and without Amari Cooper. I think he's averaged about 290 passing yards since the trade. My partner in the super contest convinced me to use the Colts here. I'm not totally uh, in on it, but um, mm. Dallas... I, I, the setup here is Dallas has won five straight. They don't have much to play for now, pretty much locked in their position. Coming off a big overtime win last week. I could see the Colts rolling here, but that doesn't mean that's not a good thing for Dak, Dak in their... Uh, for fantasy value, because what Elliott, he's banged 40 touches. No one's being worked harder in the NFL than Elliott, so that could result in, you know, maybe a down game from Dallas having to throw more than usual, which could result uh, in, in a, in a another big day for for Prescott, who's running more than ever, which has been big news for his his fantasy value.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, last week Dak came through with a monster fantasy game, and frankly, I don't think he played all that well. You know, like that's which right, is again yeah. just the total randomness nature of this game that we love so much. You know, a couple he makes a couple mistakes. He misses Michael Gallup on some deep passes. Gallup, we'll talk yeah. about him a little bit later. Um but yeah, the rushing floor has been great for Dak. So I think he's certainly a sleeper play in this one. I agree with a lot of your thoughts there. Moving on, and this one comes in from Frank underscore Duffy. Layup there. Great name. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> and and you could kind of talk about this as a, something that like maybe matchups don't matter as much. He likes Vance McDonald versus New England. If you look at New England, you know, they don't stand out as a team that's just getting smoked by tight ends or anything, which, oh, by the way, is I think like the noisiest of all of the defense versus position uh, matchup situation. But this goes more in line with high scoring game opportunity, whatever. How do you feel about Vance McDonald uh, as a sleeper tight end in this spot?
0: Yeah, so I used Vance McDonald last week against the Raiders, who were ranked dead last in, in DVOA against tight ends by, like, multiple standard deviations, too, this like, big time. And that didn't result in, in much profit. So $15 um, this week, uh, I, I like the price there, still relatively cheap. Gilmore could be on Brown, could be a shootout. McDonald's averaged five and a half targets over the last month. And he's one of the rare tight ends who could take, you know, a short pass and go 80 yards to the house. He actually does have some explosions. So I'm I'm fine with McDonald this week in this matchup.
1: Yeah, and if we're talking Juju might get limited by Gilmore, AB might be doubled. You know, we don't know what they're going to do in the backfield. Then that does lead you to Vance McDonald. And I do think he is a fine sleeper. We got another layup Twitter handle here for our next one, at Sean Underscore underhill, although that's a lot of under. Um he asked actually about defense. Uh Atlanta defense at home versus Arizona. Uh Dalton, is this a smash spot for the Atlanta defense?
0: Yeah, it is. Rosen's so bad. I moved him up to like sixth in my latest defensive rankings this week. What Rosen is more interceptions and touchdowns. On the road this year, uh, obviously Atlanta defense isn't great, but this is just a get-right game for their whole offense. I know Arizona's past defense has been okay, but I thought, what the spread's approaching double digits, so really like the setup here for, for Atlanta defense.
1: Love it. All right, and you know what else I love, and that's to hear uh, Brad Evans and Andy Barons go back and forth and just yak their faces off. So we will now throw it to them for their Rockham Sockham Rank segment.
2: For another thrilling edition of Rock'em Sockem Ranks, uh, a little game that we invented, and Andy Behrens is completely dominating me. He is—he's uh, dunking on me with much ferocity. I'm
3: surging, LeBron style. I'm definitely surging. You, you know, are. this is this is where I focus all of my efforts. I build my entire week around success in this contest. So uh, it's really it's really coming to fruition. I couldn't be happier about it.
2: Yes. Yeah, so much sweat equity that you put <laughs> into this. You know, forget the marathons that you run and the curls you know, for the girls that you do at the gym. People people I don't mean, realize
3: how many side bets we have on Rock'em Sock'em each week. How oh, much money is every in single fact I mean,
2: we're it's it's stacks of cash. We poor, are liquidating. poor Kirby's
3: not going to eat this week.
2: My kids won't eat. They're no. not even, they're not going to college. I've already told them this news. I told them Santa's not coming this year because uh the Krampus that is Andy Bears has <laughs> taken all of our money.
3: Oh, that's me, Daddy Krampus.
2: uh, You do lead the season series, I believe, by one week uh, with two to go. So I got to get hot here in a hurry. And boy, are we talking about players that are sure to be cornerstones on league championship rosters from coast to coast. So let's start off the quarterback position and Josh Allen. Uh, Punchlines aside, Andy, he has been the second most valuable quarterback over the last three weeks behind only a guy named Patrick Mahomes. You might have heard of him. As a result, I have Josh Allen and his Michael Vicky in ways at QB seven. You have him at QB 14. Why won't you plant even a single butt cheek on the bandwagon?
3: Yeah, this is, um, this is a tough one because like, I guess, first of all, I am, definitely wrong about his rank um, because I placed him right in the middle of the quarterbacks and in each of his starts this season Allen has either finished as a top six fantasy QB or a bottom six fantasy QB there has been no in between with him none Um, and, and that is because basically as a passer um, Allen is just unambiguously bad. He's bad. There's no like there's no really arguing that point. He's completing 52.4% of his throws. He's only been above 60% in one game this season. And in that game, he only threw for uh, like 190 yards, five touchdown passes on the year, nine interceptions. That's just that's no bueno. But he's been fantasy relevant because he's basically been an RB one in each of the last three weeks. And then you get five or six points from his passing stats and it all works out. Um, I just I got to think Detroit accounts for that. Uh, Eventually, a team is going to account for his running ability. Detroit has actually allowed the fewest rushing yards on the season to opposing quarterbacks, only 62. So they are like the the one team. I mean, Detroit hasn't stopped a whole lot, but that is one thing that so far this season they have limited. I expect uh, you. I mean, at this point, you have to spy Allen and he's not you know, he's not Mike Vick. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's a really good athlete who can't throw. I gotta think sooner or later a team stops him on the ground.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a possibility. Now the Lions, to be fair, they haven't exactly faced a murderous row runner, so they did a really good job against Cam Newton, limiting him just two rushing yards back in week eleven. But I think that was the game that Cam got dinged up, if I remember correctly. Uh Russell Wilson only ran for fifteen. Trubisky went for eighteen in a touch. You can't stop Josh Allen. <laughs> You you know know what he is? He is. He's very Tim Tebow or Vince Young, like like horrific in reality, but. Fantastic in fantasy. And you, you know, you actually painted a rosier picture in terms of his recent numbers and what I'm going to give you right now, because his completion percentage the last three weeks has been even more atrocious than what you threw out there. It's 50% even with a 6.8 YPA. But again, you look at that 111.7 rush yards per game average. The Lions are susceptible through the year, though they've allowed the 11th fewest fantasy points. A quarterback position are giving up 8.2 yards per attempt and a 25 to 6 TD interception split. 200 passing. One passing touchdown, 75 to 80 rushing, potential rushing touchdown. That gets you inside the top 10. That's why I have him at QB7 and why you are skittish and still have him in that middle ground. Well, again, you the one thing we admit. know for
3: sure is that he's either going to finish as, like, QB3 or QB29, you know? <laughs> like He just yeah. doesn't... He for sure does not finish as QB14. I am definitely and, and, wrong and,
2: oh, here. Not even QB7, either. So, right. I mean, yeah, I think we're both uh, either overselling him or underselling it, depending upon what perspective uh, you side with in this debate. Let's move on to another toe-to-toe here in regards to Mark Ingram. I have him at RB22. You are at RB16. I am assuming... Um, you believe that Mark Ingram is going to find the end zone. Am I correct in that assessment?
3: You are correct in that assessment. Um, I am fully expecting a positive game script in a completely unintimidating matchup against Carolina. Uh, the man is averaging 14 touches per game this season. He found the end zone last week. He's got six touchdowns on the year. Carolina of course is like a wheels have come off sort of team. Uh, they've lost five straight. They've allowed a running back touchdown in all five of those games and then, I mean, New Orleans is still kind of a Death Star offense. They average 34.4 points per game. The team is ninth in the NFL in rushing. I just think this is a uh, – I don't want to say – well, I'm going to say it. I think it's a layup that he that he finds the end zone in this one. I think both Ingram and Kamara score.
2: Uh, I've got my head in the sand on this one, man. I I don't I hear no evil, see no evil when it comes to Mark Ingram. Yeah, will he score? <laughs> Who knows? Who the hell knows if he's going to find the end zone? I, I think you make a strong case. However, you know, Carolina is, has been, you know, they've been more bend-don't-break against the run in terms of fantasy points uh, allowed, in terms of yards per carry, Ladwell north of four and a half in that category. But you look at some of the advanced analytics, Kawan Short, Luke Keekly, uh both still rank inside the top 15 in run-stop percentage. According to pro football focuses analytics. I just don't think he finds the end zone. This is a pure gut feeling for me. I think it's one of those hollow efforts, you know, 55 to 65 combined yards, no scores. And for the love of God, can Alvin Kamara actually wake up from this coma that he has
3: been? Yeah, I need, I need that, too. I need him more than I need Ingram, honestly.
2: Uh, well, I needed it last week. I'm already eliminated in two playoff matchups because he fell on a sword, along with Trubisky and Cam Newton in a two-quarterback league and a myriad amount of other guys. It's ridiculous. My team suck. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it at all. All right, moving on. Uh DD Westbrook, because surely – this is going to be the key cog that's going to propel you to your fantasy title game. Uh, I'm at wide receiver 25. You are the lowest wide receiver three on the board at wide receiver 36 in a 12 team setting. I love Didi this week. Uh, tell me why you are not enamored with a Jacksonville Jaguar. I'm gonna I'm gonna
3: assume it's because of the uniform that he's wearing. <laughs> well, uh, that has a little something to do with it. I, I'm this is another case, right? Like I'm gonna have to start this guy in at least one playoff semi and possibly two, depending on uh, what happens with Odell Buckham. So I. Mm-hmm won't mind being wrong on Westbrook. And I I would also concede that the opponent this week, that Washington, you know, losers of four straight games. This is not a scary matchup for him, but man, um, Cody Kessler, huh? Uh, that's who you want to tie yourself to (laughs) in the fantasy semis. Okay. Uh, like we're just talking about a low volume passer, a game manager of a quarterback, It is clear that this team, uh, if things go according to script, is not trying to have a balanced offense. You know, Westbrook has like five targets or fewer in six of his last nine games. I know he's coming off a good one, but there's just no guarantee of volume here at all. He, He pretty much needs a blowout loss in order to deliver for fantasy owners.
2: Well, here's where uh, I'm going to be right, and you're going to be tickled that I am correct uh, (laughs) in this projection. Um, It it is a friendly defense. And, you know, you look at Washington on the season, they've allowed the third most fantasy points to uh, to the wide receiver position. They've given up 18 touchdowns, 1175 plus yard performances. And Westbrook almost exclusively lines up in the slot about 83% of the time. He's going to draw Fabian Moreau in coverage, who's given up a 108.3 passer rating, 1.19 yards per snap. and a 65.5 catch percentage So off a 10 target game, Yes, it's Cody Kessler, but really, I mean, it's a parallel move between him and Blake Bortles. True. Uh, he did convert that for seven catches, 88 yards and a touchdown. I think he could almost duplicate that level of production. Uh, so I'm, I'm almost underselling him. I have him underranked at wide receiver 25, but I think the ceiling is identical to what he posted in the box score last week. So we're going to agree to disagree. And I know that you're praying and hoping that I am correct.
3: I do hope you're right. Yes, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, because Odell Beckham is at some surgical center checking out his – getting his quad looked at, which is never
3: good. deep calf – what is it, a quad bruise? His deeply bruised quadriceps? (sighs) (sighs) They may have
2: to – they may amputate, man. I don't know. You can have
3: either one of my quads. That's fine. I
2: (laughs) We should just go – just fly out to New York, uh, bring your massage oils, (laughs) and and work out that kink. Get him out there on the field. Wrap that sucker up.
3: I'm willing, man, whatever it takes.
2: All right, uh, that is a wrap on this edition of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. Uh, Stick around next week and
1: find out who comes out on top. Back to you. And thanks so much, fellas. Now, we are going to talk, Dalton, right now about one of the coolest things going on at Yahoo at the end of the season here, week 15. We've got a great million-dollar DFS contest happening this weekend, week 15 in the NFL. It's the million-dollar baller competition $100,000 $100,000 to first place. The top 25% of finishers get payouts. Massive amount of overlay in this contest. You can enter 10 times as the maximum. Uh, most of your, our competitors, you know, they've got like 150 entry max. So this is a 10 entry max. So a lot of people can participate, which is good. That's what we want. It's only 20 bucks to enter. And if you use the code Yahoo. 25 on your first dfs deposit you get 25 bucks so that's pretty much a free entry if you've never played before newcomers welcome we welcome you yahoosportscom slash daily fantasy just look for the million dollar baller competition it's going to be a lot of fun but dalton you and i let's talk some dfs right now uh who are your bargains that you might suggest to some of our faithful listeners the people out there to use in this big time competition Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm fired up for this tournament. A couple bargains I'll throw at you. Leonard Fournette is $25. Love the game flow situation here. Washington, obviously, just a horrible quarterback situation. Maybe you argue that Jacksonville shouldn't be seven-point favorites against anyone, but Washington might be that very uh, team they should be. They were also ranked 25th in run defense DVOA. I just think the volume's going to be there, and at that price, I like Fournette. Well, receiver, Robert Foster, 13 bucks mm. for, for Buffalo. I mean, he's got 90 yards in three of his past four games. The targets haven't been there, but he did see eight last week. Continues to develop, you know, good rapport with Josh Allen, who has a big arm down there. I think Darius Slay might be on Zay Jones, who's moved to the outside. So for really, really cheap, and if Foster's matched up on Mike Ford, who's been the absolute, like, worst corner this weekend. And Foster, you know, he was a, a former... Decent recruited Alabama. So at 13 bucks, I kind of like his upside as well. What about yourself, Matt?
1: That's spicy. I love it. And just on your Leonard Fournette one, I want to emphasize that because he's a guy I put in my DFS lineup this week. Love his outlook. You know, and he's a guy I don't think a lot of people will play because he had a horrible game last time out. But Washington sucks. They're an embarrassment right now to the NFL. Uh and they are an
0: embarrassment. Don't,
1: that was was that the most embarrassing game you've ever seen last week? To me, that was honestly look back in my, you know, Limited, more limited than some uh, time being alive. Uh, it, but that was the most embarrassing game I think I, I've ever seen from, from them last week.
0: Super ugly and just the quarterback situation and not knowing the system and all that. It's just it's, it's really bad in Washington right now. It's, it's a joke.
1: Yeah, I talked about this on, on my fantasy by the people segment on YouTube, but like you can go find my thoughts there because I'm not going to make people listen to it again. Uh, Anyways, uh, so my bargains, Julian Edelman, who I mentioned earlier, I really love his outlook in, in this spot, you know, in what should be a really high scoring game. And if you look at how the New England Patriots have attacked the Pittsburgh Steelers over their long history together over the last uh, since 2013, I should say. Brady averages 310 passing yards against the Steelers, 283 passing yards against all other opponents. So a little bit of a boost there because they go pretty pass heavy. You know, they want to nickel and dime short passing against the Steelers defense. There's very, you know, pressure up front and zone heavy in the back. And Edelman in my reception perception methodology is a 98th percentile success rate player against zone coverage. I think this is a great spot for him. You know, 21 bucks seems super safe to me. And I think he could put up a top 10, top five wide receiver number. Another guy I really like is Michael Gallup, 12 bucks. He actually leads the team in air yards over the last three weeks. As I mentioned, he and Dak Prescott, just missed each other on a few deep shots uh, in in the last couple weeks. I think if one of those connects, you know, for 12 bucks, that's a huge hit that allows you to get up to some of those other positions. And another guy, too, a little bit contrarian because of how the matchup and how things went last week. Chris freaking Godwin, man. 10 targets, one catch. Give me a break. 16 bucks. I think in a large field tournament like our million dollar baller competition, you throw him out there. You hope for a little bit of contrarian action, and you get him at low ownership. So those are three guys I really like as bargains. Dalton, how about fades? Uh, who are you
0: uh, not all that interested in playing this week? I do have thoughts on your bargains, Oh, actually. Okay. Um, we can talk. Edelman, for sure. Um, Joe Hayden may be on Josh Gordon. They're susceptible to the, to the slot there. So I, I love that play. The other two interesting you bring up just because of the matchups you talked about. Gallup, the Colts have just been totally shutting down. Outside wide receivers. So if you want to go with the matchups, they they would hate that. But at twelve dollars and how wide open he's been, um, you know, those missed bombs. I really like the flyer there. And Godwin, man, not only did he have the 10 targets last week and the one catch, he led the NFL in air, in air yards. Oh, just God. burned me. I had him in every in every DFS thing, man. He just killed me. But that's not a great matchup either against Baltimore. But I love the player Godwin. I'm still a buyer in his future. Um, guys, I would fade this week. Julio Jones, $29. Um, Patrick Peterson should shadow him. I don't love the game flow. As we I mean, I just expect Atlanta to be playing with a lead and not have to pass a lot in the second half. Um, guys like Juju and T.Y. Hilton, assuming he's healthy, I'm a little worried about his health now, are both cheaper and I have them ranked higher regardless of price. One of the quick fade in that same game, David Johnson, $25. Um, again, the reverse game script, I just don't like it set up there for Arizona and DJ may be enticing because everyone knows the Falcons, will basically scheme to allow, those running backs to catch, catch balls. But David Johnson finished with negative 13 air yards. I want to talk about air yards, oh negative God. 13 air yards last week, last week. I mean, so I don't know if he can take advantage of the scheming the Falcons do. And at that price, um, I'm saying prices for net. So I, those are the two fades in the same game, Julio and David Johnson for me. What about yourself, Matt?
1: Yeah. Let's like, no player needs a reset button more than david johnson like let's just get us to 2019 here so we can move on get back to some reality hopefully some new usage uh totally agree with that call you know by the way the falcons are not allowing the most catches to running backs in the nfl this year which they've done for this would be the fourth straight year it's actually the colts so ezekiel elliott who's top five in uh catches per game at the running back position which is shocking considering his previous usage. He's somebody that definitely has a nice floor this week uh, against that team. But guys that I'm fading this week, you know, to me, it's like this This might be a little bit more out there, but it's like the cheaper quarterbacks. You know, I know a lot of people are very excited about Josh Allen at 26 bucks, Dak Prescott at $29. We've talked about that. Brad and Andy talked about Josh Allen, who, by the way, has like no floor, man. I mean – He could, he could totally bang you in a big spot here. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I I love Lamar Jackson, but at 25 bucks, I'm, I'm, I really want to pay up at quarterback this week. I want to use Tom Brady for 30 bucks in a game where I expect him to smash. I want to think about Russ Wilson at $34 against this pretty rough San Francisco defense. I want to think about Jared Goff in a bounce back spot at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. There's a lot of way I want, a lot of ways I want to go at the quarterback position. So, I, it's usually I'm, I'm trending towards those higher end players, and that means I'm going to pay down like for a Gallup, a Godwin, whatever, to get access to some of those top level quarterbacks. So to me, in this big, you know, again, large field DFS contest here, I think I'm going to pay up at the quarterback position and fade some of these bargains that I think could really, you know, guy, again, guys like Jackson and Allen like them a lot. Love what I've seen, but they could really they have like no floor and they could really screw you here.
0: Yeah, totally um, hear your point, but I'm going the opposite on this. I use Josh Allen, actually. I use Josh Allen in our Optimal DFS lineup to post it. I like paying down at the position. It's what I usually do every week. Maybe you're right, especially in this tournament. Maybe do something different. But give me Nick Mullins for 22 bucks and go ugly <laughs> and stuff in there. Stuff Gurley. And I want Gurley in there this week. He's just going to go ape after the last couple games. Saquon Barkley. I'm stuffing the big backs in there, Fournette. And, and I'm just going super, super ugly. Nick Mullins at $22. I lo- I'm going there. So, But what do I know, Matt? Mullins Mania, it's back. It's back. I love it. He's, he's, been, he's been crushing the last two weeks.
1: So, I mean, I can't really blame you uh, for that one. Speaking of 49ers, I want to talk about just real quick. It's off script here. But uh, Jeff Wilson is a player. $14. Where do you stand on Jeff Wilson this week? Wilson! <laughs> Lovely touch, Brett. But to me, he's a guy that I don't know. He's a great bargain Don't know that I really want to play him in this type of DFS contest where, again, you're shooting for the moon here. I think he's got a great floor, but I don't know about his ceiling. Where do you stand on Wilson in this backfield, which has been unbelievably productive and certainly is a great play in season long?
0: So unfortunately, it's one of only two afternoon slate games and Matt Breida is returned to practice or at least on a limited basis Mm -hmm. or with some chatter of it or whatever. He might return. So the problem is we won't know. And who knows, maybe he might aggravate that injury in pregame warmups like he did. So if I knew that Wilson was giving me the man, love him at that price and I'd rank him as a top 15 RB in that matchup. But as is, I think both need to be avoided unless you have both. But in a DFS tourney. Uh, I guess maybe because, that hey, you know what, that might keep Wilson's ownership lower, the, the mm. threat of Brita. Mm-hmm. So maybe throw him in, in in there for that, you know, for the big tourney like that.
1: You know, Dalton, I didn't know how I felt about this week 15 slate, uh, but didn't know if I really liked it or not. But after talking to you on this podcast, I'm kind of fired up about <laughs> it. There's a lot of really... I think it's solved. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of really intriguing games, yeah. a lot of really intriguing matchups, storylines, whatever. I am fired up now. So thank you for inspiring me, bringing the joy of football back into my life beyond just trolling Stephen a on Twitter. Uh, But you know, that's going to do it for the podcast. So uh, follow us on Twitter and make sure you can submit your questions to at Yahoo fantasy, Dalton Del Don is at Dalton Del Don, one of the few people who does not have an underscore uh, on this damn fantasy team. I unfortunately do as Matt Harmon underscore B.Y.B. Uh, Liz will be back on Sunday, provided she doesn't get stuck, uh, you know, in the cement, putting her uh, star on the Hall of Fame there or the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. Uh, But yeah, until then, we're out.